The Colorado Business Roundtable unapologetically tells the story that business is a force for good in our community, featuring conversations with thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government. Welcome to A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. Welcome to today's episode of A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. And I'm Debbie Brown, president of Colorado Business Roundtable. On our podcast, we welcome thought leaders from academia, business, community, and government to discuss pressing pertinent business issues of the day here in Colorado. And our belief that business is a force for good. When business succeeds, people succeed, and Colorado succeeds. So today, we're welcoming uh, two friends that I get the pleasure of working with on issues that are important to Colorado, particularly around infrastructure and workforce and connecting people in, in all ways. So I'm excited to welcome Scott Harry and Mark Gian from Crown Castle. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you. A little bit about you both. I'm going to give you a, uh, give the folks listening a little bit of, about you, and then I want you to help expound upon that and tell me tell me a little bit more about your journey, your business life, professional life, what brought you to have uh, a seat at this table today, so to speak. So first of all, welcome to Mark. Mark, uh, I don't get to know you as well as I know Scott, because Scott is here in Colorado working on issues. But for the folks listening, Mark Dian is the external affairs leader specializing in public affairs, government relations, for telecommunications, healthcare, municipal water, and energy recovery management. Uh, Mark is experienced in building partnerships and coalitions that drive corporate goals across multiple states in the Western region of the United States. Mark, I'm just tired reading a little bit of your bio. That sounds like a big job, but welcome, welcome to our conversation today. Thank you, Debbie, and thanks for having us today. It's really exciting to be part of your podcast today. You bet. And Scott is the person I work with most closely here in Colorado on uh, communications issues. Um, Scott Harry has been with Crown Castle for nearly 10 years, managing government affairs in the Rocky Mountain region, along with other programmatic and management positions, as well as business and social leadership to shape policies that help the communications industry Bring technology to the public. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Debbie. Yeah, looking forward to chatting. So let's kick it off with you, Scott. Tell us more about you. Yes. Well, I started out my uh, my journey into the telecom industry by being a biology teacher, of all things. I don't really see the connection, so yeah. to speak. So that's great. I was uh, living in Santa Barbara, and uh, biology teachers don't make a, a ton of money, so I got a real estate license, and a friend of mine said, why don't you come site cell towers on private land? I didn't even know what a cell tower was. So that was 1997. And uh, so I got my kickoff doing real estate acquisition, uh, basically leasing property, you know, private property for cell towers for AT&T and uh, back then Nextel and a lot of different uh, carriers that don't exist today. But uh, all of those carriers had to build their primary networks on private property. So uh, I was a part of the acquisition and, and city zoning and kind of interacting with government back then. Uh, and then that sort of moved me through the system for a number of years. And I ended up with Crown Castle about 10 years ago doing government related roles, uh, zoning and permitting and those sorts of things, but also working with elected officials and city planners to you know, bring these networks to fruition. So yeah. uh, after 20 plus years, actually, wow. Yeah, 20 plus years, Mark. Good grief. I never like to do the actual math. I think that's not. I know. It always makes me feel old. Now I'm looking at my gray in this uh, podcast, and that's, yeah, it's been been a a good long run, and the telecom industry has been really good to me and my family. 
Oh, very good. Very good. I don't know if you ever knew before I have Mark jump in, that's my dad's field. He retired from the Bell system, always in telecommunications and technology. And so, uh, you know, it certainly helped put food on my family's table as well. So perfect. Good, good. good. Yeah. Well, he paved the way then for what we're uh, talking about today. He did. And Mark, Mark, welcome um, to the podcast. Tell us more about you and your role. And then I'm going to have you go a little bit deeper on what is Crown Castle. Sometimes I you know, Scott and I joke that it's such a large company, such an impactful company, but a lot of times it's not forefront in people's minds. So, so start with a little bit about you and then tell us more about the company that you work with. Sure. Well, oddly enough, just like Scott, I started out in the biology field too. That's kind of funny. So, uh, you know, I was a young student at UCLA studying biology and uh, I was able to get this internship with LA County in their uh, biology department. And I was working for the LA County Sanitation Districts. And so uh, this is almost four decades ago. So I started dealing with infrastructure almost four decades ago. So, you know, I worked in the biology department for, for a number of years and then I transferred over into the, um, the landfill. So we were, uh, there was a power plant. So I was doing a lot of the engineering work for the power plant and water reclamation plants and the riverways and building all those infrastructure pieces and being part of that team. I came to the front yeah. and I was making presentations for the county all over in all 87 cities. And so, um, you know, I built out this really great network of stakeholders and electeds. And so out of that, um, I, I did that the county for 28 years. And then I got swooped up and I started working in a completely different industry. So I went to corporate America and I was working for a big national healthcare uh, company. And so people often ask me, how did you go from infrastructure to healthcare? Well, you know, it's, it's sometimes all about people and it's all about uh, helping people understand the impact of, of the infrastructure and, and the companies that we work for. And so I did that and L and the company that I was working for was in 20 states. And so I was there specifically states, lots of travel. Um, and so then I was there for a number of years and then I got asked to come over and help start the external affairs department for Crown Castle. And so I've been in Crown Castle for six years and uh, doing much of the same things I've done in all those other places is, you know, doing education and community and, and helping stakeholders understand the importance of the infrastructure yeah. that we build. And so, I was just going to say, absolutely. And I think especially infrastructure in light of COVID, the COVID recovery, you know, really understanding um, how it not only helps us work, uh, you know, but even during that time, you know, conduct school to some degree in homes. So Absolutely. tell us more about, yeah, that was yes. a story to tell, you know, you're bringing people together and helping people accomplish what they need to accomplish. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's interesting. So just really quick, just for those who may not know who Crown Castle is. So Crown Castle is the nation's largest provider of shared telecommunication infrastructure. And so, you know, our massive innovative network of wireless infrastructure is what uh, many of our carriers and enterprise users use to provide service uh, to to the end user. So, so for us that are on this call, so you know we're on a Zoom call, we're using the internet. You know that connectivity comes through a whole set of towers and fiber and small cells, and that's what we build um, for for the nation. And we're in the nation's uh, 100 largest uh, markets, and we're building continually. Uh, presently, working on a, a network of 5G. Um, assets. And so we're doing that in many of different cities, including Colorado. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I came to Crown in 2018 
pre-pandemic and you know, we were talking about 5G coming and, and the importance of having robust connectivity uh, and, you know, how important that is not only for people at home, but also in business. And, you know, the response was good, but I don't think people fully understood the importance of having a robust connective network. And so, you know, flash forward a couple of years and there we are in the pandemic. And then suddenly everyone realized that having a robust connectivity wasn't just uh, a nice thing for utilities that people depended on when they were living and working at home. And so the conversations became more about, well, how do we continue to build out this infrastructure? Because there are some components that happen during pandemic, like learning from home and working from home, you know, ordering your food and having things delivered and you know, getting on Amazon and ordering product, like all of that was happening on the network. And so that's what we're actively working on now. We uh, are actively building out that network to meet the growing need for all of that data every day. And so um, that's what Scott and I are working on, not only in Colorado, but across the nation. Yeah, I remember those days, Mark. It's nice to get that, remember that big picture viewpoint, because at the time, I think in most people's minds, infrastructure, you know, you think roads, bridges, you know, dams, you know, energy infrastructure, you know, to have communications infrastructure sort of top of mind, top of top of the priority list might have been for the first time that COVID drove it to that. Um, you know, I'd love your thoughts on that, you know, kind of the why. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, how do we help people, um, you know, work, play, live the way that we need to in kind of this new reality? Sure. Well, you know, the uh, the idea of building out the infrastructure is really um, built out on the demand for the use of it. So as technology grows, uh, you know, and the different uses continue to expand, the, the demand on the network is continuing to grow. So, you know, we think about how pre-pandemic, you might have just solely used your phone to make phone calls and texts, maybe stream some videos, you know, and now post-pandemic, you know, we are doing uh, telemed calls, uh, you know, we're remote working. So half of our workday is done on Zoom calls and team calls. And, and, you know, we're ordering things online. You know, we're expecting that whenever you turn on your phone, that it works no matter where you are. And, and, you know, and it's not just for those things, but also, um, you know, now, um, our public safety, um, uh, officers, you know, they depend on that network tremendously to do the jobs that they're doing. You know, it's not just uh, every day, although that is very important, but during times of disaster like wildfires, um, you know, it's important to be able to push out information through the, the network to make sure that people understand, you know, when they need to stay in place or when they need to evacuate. Like those situations become critically important, um, you know, for people to have great connectivity. And so, yeah, we, we do important. take it. We do take it for granted, I think, and I'll get to, I have a question for you next, Scott, but I was thinking, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but watching one of the Yellowstone spinoffs where they have to send a telegram, you know, or a letter to uh, one of the relatives to have him come help. And, you know, a whole season has gone by and he just got the letter. And I think, you know, what a different world we're in now. We have no patience for that. You know, that's not going to happen. You know, we want things instantly, whether it's work or school or any of the above. So um, that's a really good kind of big picture. Scott, close to the home, fill us in on what's happening here in college working. Um, what are you seeing in terms of results for increased connectivity and access to high-speed broadband? Um, give us give us the Colorado picture. Yeah, sure. Well, Everybody in Colorado knows how quickly the state's population is growing and how the, you know, the real estate markets are being pressured, how just, you know, just in terms of population, just walking down the street, there are 
a lot more people in Colorado. So uh, what that means from a practical landscape here uh, in the telecom industry is that we're, we're getting a, a serious look like some of the bigger states. So if you think of Los Angeles and Chicago and uh, New York and some of these bigger markets, usually Colorado was seen as sort of a second tier or, you know, next to get those those budget dollars from that T-Mobile or uh, AT&T or Verizon were putting out. Uh, nowadays, uh, Colorado is, is forefront in their mind. And so uh, we're working on some really big projects here in Colorado uh, on behalf of a, a major carrier to build out their 5G network. And so our customers, Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T, and now Dish Network as well, which is based here in Colorado, uh, are, are building out 5G massively. And so we're going to be building about uh, 1,500 new small cells in Colorado over the next 12 months. And small cells, just like the name implies, they're small cell sites in the right-of-way, and they project a 5G signal about two to 300 feet in radius. So you can imagine we need a lot more of those, and they need to be really close to the end users because us end users are using data at a much higher rate. And like Mark was saying earlier, and you did too, Debbie, the, the pandemic really put an exclamation point on that digital divide, where even in the middle of Denver, people, kids especially, were having to uh, leave their homes and go use Wi-Fi uh, outside of McDonald's just to do their homework. And that's a real shame uh, that we could get to that place. But now, since we see that there is that huge divide, the carriers are really building out in those neighborhoods and in those rural areas. And so Crown Castle is right at the, the forefront of all of those builds. A little more because this isn't my industry, but what's the difference between a small cell build out? I don't think I've ever even heard that term before, small cell versus some of the, the large cell towers. How does that how does that differ? Yeah, a small cell network is sort of a, a new invention in the last five to seven years. And when data demand started to increase, so when you have the onset of the iPhone, when you have uh, people really using their, their phones for things that would normally be used by a desktop or they would normally use their desktop for, uh, I talked about cell sites being leased on private property. And so you have, uh, you know, a, a cell site sitting there and it has a, all of the carriers on the, on the cell site and that might only cover about a five mile radius, maybe even a, a two mile radius. And when you have thousands of people all using that same cell site for increased data needs, it really impacts that site and that site really can't handle what uh, the demand is. So the carriers came along and they started putting smaller cell sites to kind of fill in that major network. And you can think of the historical network being the, the room lights in a room uh, where everybody's getting a little bit of light but there's specific needs that a small cell or a desk lamp in that same room would hit. So if you have a little desk lamp, that's hitting you and what you need. Uh, but the overall network is still there and exists. But we really need more desk lamps today than we need uh, room lights to handle all of the, the data traffic. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I dabble on there. <laughs> no, that's actually perfect. That was a great analogy. I think especially for folks who aren't in your line of work, that helped a ton. And I love that it's technology that figured that out. You know, how do you meet demand? How do you use technology to figure out these infrastructure needs? And so, Scott, I'll, I'll ask you a follow-up. I know that you help us with our work here at Cobert. We focus on policy pillars that we think help 
Colorado's economic vitality going forward long term. One of those pillars is, of course, infrastructure. And, you know, you've added your own thought leadership representing Crown Castle to that. Give us give us a little bit of some feedback on in light of the infrastructure policy pillar for Cobert Big Picture. What are some policies that might be in play that you'd want us to know about in terms of how Cobert can offer support to the work that you're doing in building out the communications infrastructure. Cobert does a, a great job in supporting us and just kind of getting that that message out there that that telecom and wireless uh, and fiber are really integral to economic development. So you can imagine if you're going to put your business in Colorado, you're going to want to know that you have a very robust network, wireless and fiber to work from. So if you're going to be downtown, you want to make sure you want to know that the building you're in has sufficient wireless and, and fiber to meet your needs. Uh, if you're working from your home, you want to you want to know that as well. In terms of policy, really the the regulatory framework that we work under uh, in our industry is is pretty strict. And so if we want to place fiber in the ground, uh, there's a lot of regulatory kind of hurdles that we have to, to jump through. And I think rightly so. It protects the public. Businesses and uh, residences can, can realize some of these technologies, you know, faster and more efficiently in their homes and in their businesses. Yeah, Maybe I think I that makes sense. Yeah. That. yeah, go ahead, Mark. And, and so, you know, uh, you know, Scott's talking a lot about, you know, really addressing uh, the rapid deployment of the infrastructure. And so, you know, we're talking about a couple of different things there and why that's important. Um, you know, there's a present need and the demand is really high. So, of course, we want to meet that present need. But technology, as you know, is rapidly changing. So, you know, when 4G uh, was built, built out the 4G network, and we didn't necessarily know what those applications were that would come now that we built that infrastructure. But then all of a sudden we started to see things like Uber and Postmates, you know, and, and new, new applications that we just now, now today think is, you know, just the normal. And so, um, you know, uh, as new applications roll out, there will be an even greater demand. And so to build out a network can take three, three plus years to build out a network. And, um, you know, unless we're doing it rapidly, the, the technology that is advanced may happen quicker than the infrastructure. And so, you know, when we're talking about attracting new businesses or even old businesses that move to new technologies, like make sure that that infrastructure is in place as soon as we can so that states like Colorado can capture that business and keep it inside of their state um, because the infrastructure is there to meet that need. Yeah, that, that helps, Mark. I think it's tricky on lots of different pillars that we have and issues. You know, we talk about speed, relevancy, ROI, you know, removing barriers to some of these things that we need around economic vitality. And of course, no other example is better. You know, we talk about workforce a lot, but infrastructure ranks right up there. So what what can we do um, to be good partners for you all? I know that you you work in lots of different layers of government, sometimes uh, that can be tricky, as as we know, with with um, different levels of regulatory, um, you know, layers, so to speak. But Scott, Scott or Mark, whoever wants to handle that, how can Cobert be a better partner to you going forward? Well, business is super important to help us get the word out uh, where the about the actual needs that are out there. So companies need to understand what sorts of deployments and what sorts of um, what sorts of networks we're trying to build. And then they need to understand how those networks actually affect their business. 
And then they need to talk with policymakers to help policymakers understand the economic development that, that needs to happen or the economic win that having a good network brings to their business. So if a, a company needs better fiber and they find out that Crown Castle is building a network, they can help us by really getting the word out there and helping elected officials and policymakers and staffers at, at uh, the local municipalities understand that they really need those networks and they need them fast, that we can't wait a year to build one small cell. We got to build thousands of them in two years, you know, so it's, it's a big heavy lift for our industry, but business can help us push that message out to the, to the uh, local municipalities that, that have the regulatory framework above us. And I just want to say thanks to Scott. I know as a regular member of Covert, you know, you've you've brought a lot of that perspective in on our infrastructure pillar, and we're grateful for that partnership. Want to wrap us up. Thank, thanks, you guys both for being here. I've got uh, two rapid fire questions for you to kind of wrap us up. We started this little lightning round piece at the end to get to know people better. And Mark, I'm going to start with you. Tell us your best business advice you ever received to get a seat at the table. I don't think I was quite prepared for that one, but I think I think that um, sometimes, um, you know, and I've had my own small business as well. I think that um, just um, really connecting with people, finding a strategy to not only make people feel welcome at your business, but to help them understand what you're doing and the impact it has in the larger industry that you're in. I think that's really, really important. And whether that's showing up to a chamber meeting or, uh, you know, Colorado Business Roundtable and just being present, being present, spending some face time with people. I think that that's uh, sometimes, uh, you know, something that's missed for people who just have their heads down doing their business. And so, you know, I want to make a plug for that for not only for you, but all of our partners that we always see is that, you know, being together now that the pandemic's over and really having FaceTime and really having really important conversations one-on-one, I think it becomes very, very important. Absolutely, Mark. You're in the people business, as we all are. So that's always good to keep in mind. And Scott, yours is a little more of a fun question since you're based here in Colorado. But um, tell us your favorite happy hour or lunch power spot. I love Prost here in Highlands Ranch. That's my uh, That's my favorite happy hour spot right now. Good selection of beer. Uh, and a fun atmosphere. Oh, very good, very good. It's fun to do these podcasts. I probably yeah. hear, I hear places I've never heard of. So I'm going to actually compile a list. I think the next time I get yeah. people on, but <laughs> next Cobert meetings at Prost, just so you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and we'll uh, we'll build Crown Castle for it. How does that sound? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Thanks to you both for being on with us today. This has been an episode of A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown. And glad that you both could join us. We look forward to further collaboration. A Seat at the Table with Debbie Brown is a production of the Colorado Business Roundtable. You can find this episode, a listing of our upcoming events, and more information about our organization at cobrt.com.